Welcome to a uh, solo edition of Who's Your Band. I love, I live for these episodes. Now, if everybody who's watched this episode or this show before knows that uh, Jeffrey Paul, my co-host, is one of my dearest friends in the world, but I also like to verbally beat the shit out of him every day. So this is going to be hard for me to do by myself. I got to work with him last night at a gig, uh, and the fucker did good. And that pissed me off so bad. He he had laughs upon laughs. And I, I I wanted to tape it, but then I want no memory of this shit because I hate when this fucker does good when we're doing a show. I love torturing him, but he had a great night. He's out doing some family shit today. Uh, so I'm doing this solo. Now, our guest, I have never spoken to before, but I have seen this guy's name for the past 25 years growing up in the uh, North Jersey hard rock scene. He's a former editor of Stepping Out Magazine. He's also been on the Howard Stern Show uh, many a time. Let's give it up for our guest, Mr. Chauncey Hayden. How are you, buddy? Hey, man. You know, I'm taking it personal that your co-host didn't show up because I have a feeling it's about me and I'm into conspiracy theories. Oh, I have so some too, but this is not one of them. He was pissed. <laughs> you know, he was actually pissed because I said, do you know who Chauncey Hayden is? He goes, absolutely. You got him for the show? I go, yeah, I got him for this Sunday. He goes, why the fuck is it this Sunday? I got planned. I can't do the show this Sunday. Yeah, and you know what it's called? It's called he watching the Giants. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I have the Buffalo. I have the Bills Miami game on right now. I hope you didn't have the Bills. Uh, they're winning 34-24 at this point. Well, yeah, but they're not covering the spread. They're not covering the spread. This is a scary – this is a very interesting football postseason so far. Yesterday uh, – well, this will be out in a couple of weeks, but uh, watching the Chargers collapse was just one of the most amazing things I've seen in a long time. I'm not a huge uh, uh, Charger or Jaguars fan, but, man, was that good to see them just crumble. The whole season, last week, I had the Jets, right? I had mm -hmm. the, the Jets covering, and then they didn't cover. The last play of the game, the Jets have the ball. No chance of winning or, or scoring. They're like on the 15-yard the line. And the quarterback uh, laterals it to, this, to one of the players who then throws it backwards. They run into the end zone for a safety, and they covered. I couldn't I believe it. A lot of people, a lot of people were like, I can't believe that just fucking happened. Yeah. Yes. Either so you won money or lost money on that last play. Yep. This is a weird, weird postseason. I love that though. I don't like when you're going into a postseason and you know somebody's the clear, you know, the clear winner for the whole season. I hate that. Like I I I don't know who's gonna win. I don't I I'm a Giants fan. I don't know every week. You don't I, know. Every week you don't know. I think they're going to beat the Vikings today. I don't know. Or they're either going to beat them by three or they're going to lose by 40. There's no in between in this that's game. Why I don't, that's why I'm not betting. I'm not touching it because it's too inconsistent. There's just no way of knowing. Anything can happen. So screw it. I'm just going to watch the game, chill, have a beer. Yeah. Just oh, chill. yeah. I watched, I, I bet on the Super Bowl last year. And it was only because FanDuel did one of those things where if you bet $5, you win $280. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So I put $10 in. I picked the Rams, which just straight up. And I won like $294 on a $5 bet. And I was like, you know what? I'm good. I'm yeah, good. Yeah. I'm not. That's the kind of gambler I am. I go to a casino on the $5 blackjack tables. Mm -hmm. If I win $5, I run out of the casino screaming, screaming. Oh, 
like, like as if I won a million dollars. Like I, as long as I'm up, as soon as I'm up, I'm out. Yeah, I used, we used to go all the time to casinos. I, I remember one time we used to do a weekly, or not weekly, a yearly Montreal trip. And one year we went to the casino and we're just sitting at the roulette table and my friend's sitting next to me and we're not doing anything big. We're betting, betting red and black. That's all we're doing. So I'm betting red, he's betting black. And then the dealer, like four hand, you know, four rolls in, he's like, you guys are friends, right? He goes, we go, yeah. He goes, you realize you're betting against each other. And I went, fuck, we are. <laughs> And then we just said, our one, two, three, shoot. We're going to pick where we're going to go. We went black. We won eight, eight fucking spins in a row. We cashed out. We're like, you know what? We're good. I can't deal yeah. with it, man. I've seen no, people. I, I, no, I don't even know how to play poker. Like, I don't I don't know how to really gamble. I I, I just don't. Like, I'm not like, a, I'm not like a, a dude when it comes to that. Like, I, yeah. I'm like I an old lady. Blackjack a little bit. I'm a fat old lady who sits in front of a Wheel of Fortune machine. That's what I do. I sit in front of a wheel of fortune machine with the cup, I, with the with the little paper cup and and the nickels or whatever. Oh well, no, they don't do that. Any, they don't do that anymore. You've been out of the states a little while here, buddy. Uh, they, <laughs> they don't give you actual change anymore. But uh, no, I will just sit there and I'll have cocktail waitresses bring me drinks all night. I'll throw a twenty in there and just sit there all night. That was that's you know it's a hard thing because like I, I'm a comic and I work casinos. I used to work. Borgata for a week at a time. I would work hard rock for a week at a time. Now, if you know how to gamble, if you like to gamble, that could be really dangerous. Ask Craig Carton. <laughs> yeah, right. So I have, I mean, I work a half an hour a day. I have 23 yeah. and a half hours at a fucking casino and I can drink too. So then there was one lady who was like uh one of the waitresses. She goes, Here's the trick. You go to the center bar, you sit anywhere that they have a video poker machine. You put $20 in there and they will give you drinks all night long, as long as you're really? playing at the bar on the poker machines. And I was like, all right, let's try this shit out. So I'm done at 930 doing my show. Nothing to do. I go to the bar, put a 20 in the machine and go, I'll take a, you know, Jack and Ginger. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. Just keep wow. coming. And, and every five minutes, play one quarter. Just play one quarter. So you get sloshed. And they uh, just cash out everything, and you're set for the rest of the night. Uh, I, you know, I'm too old and to now to drink Jack Daniels or get slow. I have one drink now. I'm like an old lady. I'm like, oh, <laughs> take me home. Like, I, I can't drink anymore. I can't stay up late oh, anymore. Like, I'm not a drinker anymore, man. Once I, can't I found, do it. Once I found pot, I can't drink anymore. Christmas legal. Eve. It's legal in Jersey now, isn't it? Legal? I spent $300 at a dispensary yesterday. <sighs> But so whoever doesn't know, I live in Ireland. Like I'm in Ireland right now in a little small town with sheep and cows. That's where I am right now. I don't really know what's going on in New Jersey. So you, you can now go to like a store that sells pot Mm -hmm. and buy it like a 7-Eleven, like getting a slushie. I, it's so bad, Chauncey, that I have an account where I get loyalty points and I get money and I get money back every time I spend money when I go there. Really? And it's all and it's like good pot, like it's regular pot, like it's no, not like it's fucking good shit. Like I go, here's what I do. I get the app and I will scroll through and it'll say, okay, what am I in the mood for? Do I want I do more vape cartridges and gummies, right? But I do buy regular weed. So it'll say, okay, here's what we got in stock at the Zen Leaf in Elizabeth. It's right on one and nine, right outside the airport. You go ahead of time and say, okay, I'm going to do, oh, you want Berrylicious. It's an Indica. This is going to knock you on your ass. Add it to my cart. 
Really? You want a vape cartridge. This is uh my favorite is called G Perp, right? Granddaddy Perp. Knocks me on my ass. Add two of those to my card. Oh, the gummies are here. Mike Tyson has his own uh weed line. Really? Uh, quality shit. And you just suck on a gummy and get high as shit? You chew the gummies. Just chew yeah. them. I'll take two. They're not heavy, though. I like 10 milligrams. Take two. About 40 minutes in, you'll start feeling it. I'll take a few hits of the pen. I'm zonked for five hours. Really? Oh, my God. I can't even imagine that. Holy it's unbelievable. Christ. So you pay a little more. You're obviously going to pay a little more. But the good thing is it's not like the old days. It's not like going into the city in the 80s or the 90s and you're walking around Washington Square Park and some asshole gives you a 20 bag and it's fucking oregano. You know, it's not like that. Or, or it's THC or so, some crazy shit that's going to make you jump naked out of a building. You know, Well, that happened to me. I used to have bad reactions to weed. I, I mean, the last two times, I mean, years and years ago, they were definitely laced with PCP or dust without question because I felt like I was going to die. It was. Can I, can I tell you something? I, I've smoked pot four times in my life. Each time I ended up in the emergency room. Each time. Yeah. It's I not lost like my shit each time. Yeah. So... I'm afraid. Like, I'm afraid to smoke pot. I have friends who are like that now, but now I try to explain to them it's so regulated and it's, I'd rather pay a little bit more. So it's kind of like if you go to buy moonshine from a dude. You're buying security. You're, buy, you're buying like insurance that you're not going to freak out. Oh, yeah. And you got, when you got to see, when you walk into the dispensary, it is amazing. You think it's all people like us. It's not. There's a lady in front of me who's 75 years old. She's buying it. You got a 22-year-old kid who's stoned off his ass over here buying it. You got a soccer mom with kids waiting in the car, and, and she's buying her vape because her kid's driving her fucking insane. It's it's unreal. And, and if you get pulled over, nobody knows. It's not like when you get pulled over and you're drinking, they can smell your breath. Yeah. No, the cop wouldn't know if you've been... You could. I mean, I look very different when I'm stoned. I mean, basically because my eyes are fucking closed. That's what happens. But uh, well, no, I squint the no. eyes naturally. So my eye, I look Asian <laughs> all the time, like Mr. Magoo. Remember Mr. Magoo? Oh, yeah. Like, I know I'm aging myself, but I'm like Mr. Magoo. My eyes are like slits. People don't even know how I see. That's freaking great. But it's so it's so different now. I mean, because yeah. again, I will not I don't want to drink anymore. I got so drunk on Christmas Eve. I had 12 people in my house. Uh, I killed a bottle of proper 12 whiskey, Conor McGregor, which I'm, I'm a big Yeah, oh, he's big. That's big here in Ireland. He has I'm his own pub fan. here in Ireland. I yeah. know. I just saw uh, Burke Kreischer was there the other day. He just posted about it. He was there with Yeah, the yeah, yeah. It's Double. good stuff, man. And I, I drank a bottle of it. Uh, apparently, I had a little more uh, oh. than a bottle. Uh, apparently, I was singing to people. I didn't, I don't know, people leaving, whatever. Uh, for I'm 46, so the first time in my entire life, I will give you a little background. Uh, when I drink, I will drink hard. Uh, it's once or twice a year. I will vomit everywhere. I will clean it up. It's all out of my system. I'll have one or two more. I take an Advil, some water. I go to bed. I wake up the next day. Perfect. I'm good to go, ready to go. Really? I puked my brains out Christmas Eve. I did my normal. I took my Advil. I took my water. I went to bed. I woke up at 830. I'm like, all right, I'm a little sluggish. I made my coffee. I sat down on the couch. And for the first time in my life, I went, nope. And I got right back up into the bathroom and puked my brains out again. First time in my life that has ever happened. I, I, I'm the worst guy to vomit. When I vomit now, at this point in my life, I start crying that I'm going to die. <laughs> like I actually <laughs> cry when I vomit now. It's true. It, it, the things that we're so used to doing, 
And he, when, I was, yeah, when I was a kid in the bar, it's like you, you go out to the car, vomit, go back in and drink some more. Now, exactly. Now, now I roll up in a ball and cry. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget one time going to Montreal. It was beer fest and we got there at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, I'm there. I drank my face off and, until I puked and I ate a bison burger because they sell all kinds of weird shit. I'm eating fucking bison and drinking all kinds of weird foreign liquor at the same time. That worked out well. <laughs> Halfway to the hotel, I puked my brains out. I was back in bed at two o'clock in the afternoon. Two o'clock in the afternoon. And I was up at four, ready to go again. Wow. That you can do when you're younger. You can do that. I can't do that now. No, I... I, th I think that my, my greatest uh, achievement when I was young, I had 14 iced teas at a bar, 14. And in between each one, I did a shot of Jack Daniels. Oh, God. That, that would kill me today. Oh, one yeah. Would kill me. I'll never forget that I did. Uh, we were doing a documentary, a wrestling documentary a long, long time ago. We were interviewing uh, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, right? So we took him to a Giants game at the old Giants stadium. Then we take him to uh, uh, Bazookas and Sea Caucus. I don't know if you remember that place. Of course. Fun place. Love that place. Yeah. Uh, he would order a pint and a shot. But a pint would be one sip. It would just be. Oh, my God. And then a shot. And he had about 30 of those. Oh, my God. I can't picture for the life of me ever doing that again. No, no, man. I, I and, and I wish I could. Like I'm not happy about it. I wish I could. I live in Ireland. Like I live in the drinking capital of the world, and I'm, I'm right, too old. To, and I'm yeah, I'm too old to drink. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's almost like a, a Twilight Zone episode, That's... you know? Like a like the one where Mickey Rooney wants to be big. Remember Mickey yeah. Rooney? I just want to be big, and then he's <laughs> too big to be a whore, uh, jockey. Yeah, like that, that's like how it is here in Ireland for me. I just wanted to drink in Ireland to be an alcoholic in Ireland. And now I can't drink and I'm in Ireland. I told my friend that I was interviewing you and he knows who you, he knows who you are. And I'm like, he goes, why are you doing it at four o'clock? I'm like, because he lives in Ireland. And they're like, he's like, are you fucking kidding me? That's the great. He's been dying for like six years to just uproot his entire life to move back to Ireland. No, you got listen, if you live in Ireland, it, 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 it looks great on a postcard. The brochure yeah. looks great, but it rains here every every fucking day. It rains. I don't mind here. that. I don't mind that. You you say that. You say that. That's like getting a drop of water on your forehead every minute and saying that doesn't bother me. And then after like two years of getting a drop of head on your every two minutes, a drop of water on your forehead, you go slowly insane. I didn't mind it either, but I've been here for five and a half years, oh, and wow. I'm going a little. I'm going a little batshit. I, I am. I, I, I need to see the sun. Like, I need sun. My daughter is, is 10 years old. I had to take her to the United States to show her what the sun was. She never thought. I just didn't even know what the sun was. She's like, Dad, what are you doing? No. That's <laughs> Listen, great. I'm going to die. You can't expose me to this. <laughs> I mean, I have friends. Planet. There's a planet in the sky, and it's hot. <laughs> I have friends who live in L.A., and their kids came here for the first time and saw snow. And they were just, they, their eyes just bugged out of their head. Like, people don't understand. Like, people, Jersey gets a real bad reputation. And I hate when people knock New Jersey. Because when you really look at it, New Jersey is the greatest state in the country. Mm -hmm. Now, I grew up in Hudson County my entire life. Spent 45 years in Hudson County. So I was always 10 minutes or 15 minutes away from New York City. I had that hustle and bustle, right? So now I moved about a half an hour south to Sayreville. So now 20 minutes south of me, is farmland and it blows my fucking mind every time New I Jersey drive. is such a small state 
and you get every kind of, of climate and, and uh, terrain that you'd find anywhere in the world, from Maybe. mountains to, to desert to beach to, to farms. It's all within like 100 miles. Yeah, it's <laughs> unbelievable. And they're yeah. like, are you happy that you moved out of the area? I'm like, well, let me put it to you this way. New Jersey is the fourth smallest state in the country. It is the most populated state in the country. I lived in Hudson County. That was the most populated county in all of New Jersey. So I lived in the most densely populated area of the entire country. So yes, bring on the farm is what I'm telling you. Oh, will- you, you, if you love that, you would love Monaghan. Oh, I because it doesn't get any more rural than this. Did you ever see the movie The Quiet Man with John Wayne? Yes. Like it, it, It's like The Quiet Man here. It's like just rolling hills with stone fences and the little horse and buggy and the, the you know the leprechauns jumping out of trees like it's the whole thing going on here you know it's, it's so we'll, we're going to jump around all over the place yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to do a chronological timeline bullshit what made you uproot and move to Ireland? uh, uh it, it's a crazy story dude I, I, i'll give you i'll try to give you the condensed version so i don't bore everybody but so I, when I left Stepping Out magazine, I started a new magazine called Metropolis Nights. I remember that. I, I was the publisher of that. And, and I'm running this magazine, you know, kind of starting my life over again uh, in, in like uh, 2011, 2012, I think it was. So I'm doing my thing. I'm still, I'm still in publishing, still doing Fox News and all that stuff and doing my celebrity news. And... Uh, I met this girl at, at uh, Rosie O'Grady's in Manhattan. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's a big Irish pub in Manhattan. There's two of them. Anyway, this girl's beautiful, strikingly beautiful. And she comes up to me and she says, oh, you have, you have nice teeth. And, and nobody's ever said anything like that to me. They usually say, fuck you, or get away from me, or you're a creep. Nobody's ever said, you have nice teeth. So... I'm like, oh, well, thank you very much. And, and as I'm getting ready to leave, she goes, you ever want to have tea? Here's my number. We can have tea. Like, I never had tea in my life. <laughs> I, I'm like, tea? Did you say tea? Like Jack Daniels tea? Like that, that <laughs> new flavor? Like, uh, so I, I, I started meeting her for tea. And then one day, tea became, oh, you're going to have, I'm going to have a baby. You're going to be a daddy. And I was like, no, 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 I'm too old. I, I can't do that. Like, I thank you. Thank you very much for, for that. But I, I, I have to rescind that offer. At, the, at this time, I can't take that offer. I, but, I, but thank you. That was kind of you. She goes, no, 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 you don't understand. You're going to be a daddy. And she said, and you're going to move to a place called Monaghan Island, and you're going to watch sheep and work the fields. And I'm like, wait, what? What? I have like a staff of 10 people. I, I have to do Fox News next week and I got a magazine. What are you talking about? She goes, oh, that, that's, that's, that's your future. That's what's going to happen. So I, as quickly as I could, I, I, I changed my email, my number, and I, <laughs> and I got on a plane. <laughs> it's just like, no, 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 this is a nightmare. Like, Mr. Wizard, wake me up. No, this can't be happening. And... Um, she didn't take that too well and went back to Ireland. And uh, I was like, fuck, man, I dodged a bullet. I dodged a bullet. You know, that, that could have been a nightmare. And I go back to my, my life and I'm doing my thing. 
about uh, nine months later, I, I get a letter. And, and my, my uh, girlfriend at the time says, um, oh, who do you know in, in uh, Ireland? And I said, I don't know anybody in Ireland. I go open it up. So she opens it and she goes, oh. I go, what is it? She goes, uh, the pictures of your child. <laughs> oh, shit. You have a baby in Ireland and these are the pictures. And, and you know, they, they say uh, a, a woman becomes a mom the day she learns she's pregnant. And that a man doesn't become a father until he sees his child's eyes. And that. I think there's truth in that. Because my life changed at that second. I looked at these pictures and this face, this little doughy, white, round, bald face. And it looked just like me. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, I'm a dad. I'm a dad. What are you, you going to do? And um, I ended up selling my house in New Jersey, in Glen Rock. I got a, a little studio in, in Jersey City and was planning what the hell my my other half left of course left me obviously <laughs> yeah that that's a whole other story but uh so now i i'm single and living in an apartment in jersey city looking at the ceiling thinking what are you going to do what are you going to do you know you're a dad what are you going to do and uh tried tried to contact the mother and and, and tried to to say, okay, I'm going to pay alimony, uh, not child support, and you know, I, I I'm going to try and do whatever I can to be a dad. The right and, thing. And they were like, "Fuck you, fuck you." You went there, you know. We just wanted to show you uh, your child. You're never going to see it. You're never going to have a relationship. Go, go, fuck yourself. So, so um, got an attorney trying to become a dad from Jersey City over in this little village in Monahan. And like two years went by and nothing, nothing's happening. Three years went by, nothing's happening. They can't even find the family. So one weekend I got on a plane and I flew to Ireland. I rented a car and I drove to this little town, not knowing where they are and nothing, nothing. Just, just moved, drove here in the middle of the night and uh, started knocking on doors and saying, do you know this family? Do you know this child? Do you know... And this is a, a this is like a rural little town. And right away, they start everyone's calling each other, you know, burning smoke signals, and you know, <laughs> the whole the whole thing. The white and, devils and, here. The white devils here. Yeah. 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 And, um, and so um, someone uh, says to me, you know, I know where the grandmother of your child is. If you want to find her, and I was like, no, where, where, where can I find the grandmother? So they gave me the place where she worked, and uh, I drove up there, went inside. It was called the Garage Theater. It's a theater in town. And I went inside, and he said, oh, oh, you're looking for this lady. She's not here today. She's off today. Um, and I was like, oh, God damn it. I left my number and said, all right, well, thank you. If you if she calls or whatever, could you please tell her who I am that I'm here? I just gave her a name. didn't say why. So it's... Day before I have to leave and I had no success, couldn't find them. I've been here for two days and uh, I'm in a pub and I'm depressed. I'm the only one in the pub and, and, and the bartender. And I'm kind of telling them my story. And, you know, I, I'm just like, I can't believe I came this so far. And, and I know there's somewhere here and I can't find. Them. And this, this woman walks in, this older woman walks in and sits at the end of the bar. 
and she orders a pint and she says to the bartender, I had off today from the garage theater. So I came in for a pint and I go, and he's pouring it. I said, can I ask you a question? Is that the grandmother of, of my child? Because I told him who I was. He goes, yes, that, that's her. Holy Pre shit. And my legs got weak. Like I, my, my hair stood up on my arms. I'm like, he said, just don't make a scene here. Wait till she goes to the bathroom and then you can approach her when she comes out. You know, I don't, I don't want, she's a regular here. I don't, all right, I'm, I'll be cool. I'll be cool. So I'm waiting about six pints later. She hasn't got off her seat. And now I got to take a leak. I'm like, dude, I've been here watching her drink six fights. I, I, I have to walk past her now to go to the bathroom. He goes, no, you've been good. You've waited a long time. Do what you have to do. So I walk up to her and I go, do you, do you know who I am? She goes, I've been sitting here for an hour and a half waiting for you to come up to me. Holy she goes, why the fuck do you think I'm here? And it was only two of us in the whole place. And I started crying and not the kind of my like vomit crying, like a different yeah, kind of crying, like, uh, like hysterical at the bar, like tears dripping from my face. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I, I wasn't here and I, I want redemption and I want to be a dad. And I, and she's like, don't do this here. Don't do this. She goes, meet me for coffee tomorrow at this coffee shop and we'll discuss. So I go doing the Irish jig down this little street, little cobblestone street on the way back to my little bed and breakfast. And I'm so happy. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, I did it. I did it. I'm going to see my daughter and I'm going to be a dad. So I meet her for coffee the next day and I have gifts and I have balloons. I have pictures of the, my family back in America. And I, I and I sit down having coffee with her. And she goes, let me tell you about your daughter. And she goes through this whole thing that, you know, she she's, four now and she's amazing and she does this and this and I'm crying and she's showing me pictures and then I say okay well here I got I got these toys and gifts and I have balloons and here's a picture she can see of our family in America and she goes now let me tell you about you she goes you're a piece of shit and I didn't know how I was gonna feel when I met you but I don't like you and you're never going to see your daughter. So you can take your toys, your balloons, and your photo album, shove them up your ass, and enjoy the rest of your time here in Monaghan. And she got up and left. And I went from being sky high to like crashing into the sea. Wow. Couldn't believe it. My heart broke. And I took all the gifts and everything, threw it in the garbage, in the trash, outside the coffee shop. And I'm going home and, and I got to leave the next day. And I can't believe, can't believe what just happened. And as I'm getting on the plane, the, the mom says, sends me a text, the mother. And she goes, you know, you walked by us three times while you were here. Three times you passed us on the street. And I didn't, how would I, I, didn't, I hadn't seen her in, in a, almost four years, five years. And I wouldn't know what my child looked like. So I didn't know. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. She goes, yeah, my, your daughter thinks you're a homeless man from Dublin. <laughs> I'm like, what? She had a baseball cap on. He goes, people don't wear baseball caps here. Only homeless people from Dublin wear baseball caps. So she asked me if you are a homeless person, which is a lie, by the way, because people do wear baseball caps. So anyway, she said, so she tells me she's going to send pictures. And if I pay all this, I got to pay a certain amount of money and all this stuff. So I do it. I send all the money and I send everything to... Uh, to the mom's bank account and a couple of months go by and uh, nothing, nothing. And uh, I'm like, now what? Now what are you gonna do? And, and this is where I, this was, this is the story, the end of the story where I had to make a decision. 
I can I can wait till a redheaded girl shows up on my door one day and says, I think you're my dad and with an Irish accent, or I can get rid of all my shit, leave my career, leave uh, the magazine business, leave my family and friends, and with a backpack, go to Ireland and start all over again, start a whole new life and fight, fight for my daughter, fight to be a father. And uh, after a couple of days staring at that ceiling at night, I, I said, you don't have a choice, dude. This is not even, this is not even a choice. And uh, within two months, I had gotten rid of everything I have ever acquired in my life. Artwork, furniture, clothes, every, all the shit that you have over, over 50 years and uh, got rid of it, Just threw most of it in the trash. And I uh, got a one-way ticket to Ireland and uh, never went back. That I, I First thing I did, I landed in Dublin, came to this town, Monaghan, went to the courthouse and said, I, I'm the father of this girl. What, how would I see the judge? How do I start? This is day one. What do I got to do? And for the next two and a half years, I was in court every month. Fighting, 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 spending every dime I had left in my 401k and uh, went through my entire bank account and had to go through vetting and social workers. And if you ever saw my cousin Vinny, I was like my cousin Vinny. I was like Joe Pesci in front of an Irish judge. You know, here in Ireland, the court system is completely different than America. And they don't have lawyers. They have barristers and solicitors with the black robes and the wigs and the whole thing. It's a whole different scene here. And I, I, had, a, I had to do all that. And uh, over, over a period of years, I, I won everything. I got everything. I got access. I got guardianship. I got uh, everything I had ever hoped for happened. And now my daughter is my best friend. And, you know, we're, we're as close as two people could ever be. Like she's my whole world, my life, everything. Uh, it, it, it's like a movie. So it's it's hard to believe the last five years what has happened to me and how my life has changed from where I was in Jersey City and being Chauncey Hayden from the Stern Show and stepping out in Metropolis Nights to being the guy who lives in rural Monaghan who's just a dad. He's just a Dude, fucking uh, dad. And that's the reason why I reached out to you because I have always seen your name. I've always seen your name a million times growing up watching, you know, stepping on magazine, going to the bars and picking it up and hearing about Stern and all this bullshit. And then, yeah. you know, you know how social media works, you know, nine times out of 10, you don't know the person that you meet. You, you don't know the person on social media. You're just a, a connection on a social media site. But I have a lot seen... of people. I'm a douchebag. Like Chauncey, that douchebag. <laughs> but no, I'm the opposite. All I have seen is. Yeah. The progression over the last couple of years with you and your daughter. So okay, from I, Facebook, you've seen the story face, from Facebook. Facebook. So yeah. I've seen, I've seen your daughter grow up, and I've seen you go on vacations and stuff like that. Yeah, yes. So yes. like, and, and then once in a while, I'll hear like you know, I'll, something will pop up from your past, and I'll I'll say, okay, yeah, that's the dude that I know on Facebook. Yeah. And I'm like, I gotta dig in further. I there's something I got it. I gotta get this story out. Because let me tell you something. Number one, your daughter makes a much better looking version of you than you are. 
You're a better looking version of as a girl than you are as a dude. It's, okay. it's hard to believe. It, it really is hard to believe. But I, I give the mom more credit than I give myself, quite honestly. You know, you can always, and there's another thing too, is you can always, I can tell, I don't know if a lot of people can do this, but yeah. um, you can always tell when a kid is an asshole and when a kid is a, is a douchebag or you can just tell. And you shouldn't say the kids are an asshole or a douchebag. No, you can't because there's there some are douchebag you know, kids. There's there, douchebag I, I've kids. seen douchebag kids. Yeah, yeah there, there are. And I, you can just tell by looking at your daughter, she's a sweet kid. That and, you, the, yeah, and yeah. that you guys are genuine, like you just said before, you guys are genuinely best friends. And that means everything to me. I love seeing that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that, yeah. so I feel like we jumped to the to the glorious end of the story. Although, although I'll interrupt you for one second. Yeah. The, the, w- while I was getting vetted, I, I, I was allowed to see my daughter, but I mm-hmm. couldn't tell her who I was. So I would get to see her once a week for one hour with um, social workers watching in a room. But she had no idea why she had to meet me. She just knew for one hour she had to sit and talk to me and I could talk to her and play with her. But I, I couldn't tell her who I was. I wasn't allowed. So right. it, it was so hard. Oh, man, it, it was hard. I mean, I'd be online at the local food shop and she'd be in front of me. And I couldn't even say couldn't hug her, couldn't touch her, couldn't even really look at her. It was that, it was like that for a long time. So the social worker who who did all the vetting said, I think you you've proven yourself. It's time to tell her who she's meeting once a week and tell her the story. And she said, we have to think of a way to tell her so she's not too traumatized. So she came up with the idea of writing a letter. She goes, write her a letter while you're here Tell her the story that's appropriate for a six-year-old, five-year-old, six at the time, and I'll I'll read it to her. I'll, I meet with her every. She would meet her separately to to help her with through this. She goes when I meet her, I'm gonna read. I'll read her your letter to her, and we can see how she handles it. So all right, so I write this letter, and tears are coming out of my eyes as I'm writing it. You know, Poppy, I'm your dad, and I just want you to know I love you, and I this is what happened. I'm sorry I wasn't here soon. I'm writing my heart out in this letter. And the social worker meets her and, and reads it to her. So then afterwards, I meet the social worker for uh, coffee to find out how it went. So we sit down, and my heart's pounding. I'm like, what was her reaction? What did she say? What happened? She goes, well, I read her the letter. And I go, and, and what happened? She goes, she, she looked at me and said, oh, Oh, he, he, he's my, my daddy. She goes, well, can you, can you tell him? I said, thank you very much, but he can go home now. Cause I was hoping for an Irish daddy. <laughs> I was like, ah, uh, ah my fucking daughter. Yeah. Tell her to go fuck herself. <laughs> I've been here for fucking three years. I spent my life savings. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> That's great, though. Oh, that was her first. And she'll tell you the story today. Like, she loves telling that story. That's Even now, she'll bust my balls and go, you know, Dad, I really could trade you in for an Irish daddy. So be careful. You know, that was the, her first emotional reaction was, he can go home. I really wanted an Irish daddy. So she's sarcastic like you. She's so sarcastic like me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's great to see. It's great to see that, you know, like I had, I had a, not a similar situation, but in a, in a way, um, uh, I grew up as an you know, only child 
with uh, my mom just raising me. So my uncle was like my father figure. Uh, he adopted a kid um, later in life when the baby, the child was five. And then my uncle got deathly ill and wound up passing away when he was 13. And I'm his godfather. So I kind of lost touch with this kid for a, a good 13 years, probably 14, 12, 13 years. And then all of a sudden, just on Facebook, out of the blue, I get an email. And it's him. He tracked me down on, oh, on Facebook really, and really. Hadn't, hadn't seen him in a long time. And, uh, you know, it was just texting for a long time, feeling out and not going too deep and things like that. And then, you know, one day we were just like, I'm going to be in Connecticut. I have a gig. It's about 45 minutes from your house and showed wow. up, showed up, uh, bawled my eyes out hysterical afterwards Didn't let him see it. And now I was texting him yesterday about his uh, beautiful Seattle Seahawks and how they uh, they sucked a bag of dicks yesterday. You guys have a relationship now. Now we have a relationship. We uh, he comes to shows like he'll come down here to New Jersey. I'll take him out to the craft beer. He loves craft beer. And I'm 46. He's 32. So it's not a huge um, difference in age. You know what I mean? Obviously, your daughter is, is a lot younger than you and it's a different dynamic. But now it's like I can be, I could be the sounding board. Like if you need advice, dude, I'm here. I've been through it all. I'm here. You know, right. you're, uh, you want to get your own place. Here's what you got to do. You having girl trouble? Here's what you do. You know, right, right. You try this beer. What try this one instead? So, I understand. Which is, yeah, um, which is how I thought my story was going to go. I, I, you know, I, I, my friends, everyone in Jersey said. Dude, you're out of your mind. You're gonna you're gonna move to Ireland. You can't move to Ireland. You can't live in in Europe. And just, what are you gonna do for money? What are you gonna do to survive? You, you'll be back in two weeks. They said you're gonna be back in two weeks. This you, you're never gonna. You, first of all, the courts are never gonna allow you. You're Chauncey Hayden from the Howard Stern Show. As soon as they Google you, they're gonna kick you out of the country. You know, so. And they had valid points. I was like, I, I know the odds are against me. That the, the odds were so stacked against me. Everyone, every person I respected said, She'll find you, man. Just live your life here. She'll find you. Don't worry about it. It's a small world now, social media. And uh I I, I could have easily done that, but I, I I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't go to sleep at night and thinking I have a little girl laying in a bed wondering who her daddy is. And I'm sitting here jerking off in Jersey city. I go, no fucking way. I said, if it kills me, I'm, I'm going to find her and tell her who I am. And, you know, like a bull in a China cabinet. That That's how I came over here. You know, no, wasn't going home. I wasn't going to go home until I, I won. You know, what do you, uh, what do you do for a living now out there or you're retired? I'm retired. I, 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 I'm retired and, and uh, happily retired. I have a great pension. I, I you know, I did very well in my life, and uh, I, 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 I'm a vet, also a military veteran. I so, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a disabled vet. So, okay. so, so I have income from that. I, 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 I do very blessed that I do very well financially. You know, I don't have to worry you know and, I was wondering uh, if you're still in the ma- in the magazine business in some sort of way shape or form because now the nowadays you don't have to be in an office to be able to run anything oh, well, well dude the, the first two years i lived here i kept metropolis nights going i worked the only thing that stopped the only thing that retired me was the pandemic 
I still had my staff in Jersey and with the five hour time difference, I, at lunchtime, I go to a, a, a coffee shop at Wi-Fi and I talk to all my staff. I, I would sell ads for, from here. You know, uh, the magazine w was still every month. I put out Metropolis Nights for for two years after moving here and was doing well, uh, as well as you could do with the print magazine business, because it, it really wasn't the same as it was in the 90s and 2000s. But I, I was surviving on that. And the pandemic came and uh, that 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 wiped everything that 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 forced my hand into retirement. That's a what a see. This is what I wanted out of this interview because, like I said, I, I mentioned what kind of podcast we are. I say how we talk about music, but look, we're forty minutes in. We haven't even touched music yet, and this is what happens a lot. There's some guests, like I had Matt Pinfield on here one time, and it was to this day the longest interview I ever had. It was an hour and forty five minutes. Or, or hour got a lot of history. He's because he don't shut the fuck up either. He wants to talk about like. Oh yeah, I bought this forty-five in nineteen sixty-eight. I'm like, dude, I don't want to hear any of that. I got, let's just talk more. And it was just on and on. And then there's episodes where, like, I'll do this, and we will just talk for fifty-nine minutes. I'll be like, okay, so do you like music? Yeah, I love music. Cool, man. Okay, thanks for hearing the next this episode of uh, Who's Your Favorite Show? You're not one of those. Yeah, music, music's okay. Yeah, exactly. That's that's all it is. But I, you know what it is? But but I, I guess with me because there's so much controversy because. Uh, the people who know me know me one of two ways. They know me from the Howard Stern show or they know me through Stepping Out magazine right. or both or both. A and I left Stepping Out in such a controversy. I'm sorry, uh, Howard Stern under such controversy mm -hmm. and, and, and such publicity. It was so it was on the front page of the Daily News, and the New York Post when I left Stern. It, it was like a scandal. So, a lot, and a lot of people hated me. They thought I, I screwed Howard over and it was a whole big thing. So to this day, a lot of people, when they hear my name, they think, oh, that guy, he fucked Howard over. And, and, and a lot of people didn't follow Stern over to Satellite. So they stopped being a listener when I got kicked off at the ex exact same time. So that's all they know is me exiting the show under really like um uh blackballed angry circumstances you know so mm -hmm. you can get a lot of confusion of what happened and why i i left the show and then got blackballed by stern it's um it, it's a pretty exclusive list of people that are banned from the show that can never be mentioned and, and i'm happy to be a part of it it's me it's um pat cooper um there there's uh Gilbert Gottfried rest his soul there, there there's um a bunch of us that can never be mentioned ever uh, on the Howard Stern show I was like, never, there's, there's actually a list there's a list I was never that, team Howard I was always more of a, an ONA guy oh and, you were and oh. that's how I got it I got how I got into comedy was was from listening to Opie and Anthony but like I loved Stern growing up you know the W the Channel Nine TV shows and listening yeah. before I went to satellite radio. Once I went to satellite, I was done. I didn't. I, I wasn't like in that that uh, that time frame to really have a satellite radio. You know what I mean? But, it wasn't uh, very good in the beginning. Cut in and out. It, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. I didn't think it would succeed at the time because it just yeah. didn't. Seem, and at the same time, phones started coming. You know, YouTube started, yeah. and. and uh, 
you know, you could download your own song. So I was like, why, why would you pay to listen to channels with your favorite music when you can put all those songs onto your phone yep. and, and listen to them whenever you want? I couldn't understand why people would do that. But now, you know, they pay for uh, name people to host sure, shows. Premium, premium little, content and all yeah, that. Yeah, it's a little different now. It's a little, it's different than it was when it started. Stern was the only big name in the early days. Now they, now they have other what got you into uh, stepping out? Oh, it, it's kind of a that's a crazy story. I, I was, um, I was. It was 1988, I think. Mm. I, I was selling medical supplies. <laughs> I was selling medical supplies overseas to Kuwait, like these these third world hospitals, and I had a fax machine in my room, and I would sell these little pieces that they couldn't get over there that you could get in the United States. And I shipped them over there for like profit. And uh, I was dating this girl who had to be a hundred pounds soaking wet. And one day I'm sitting on the couch watching TV and she says, I can take my knee and throw it over your head. That's how flexible I am. I said, don't even try. I go, I go don't do it. I said, you probably can, but if you miss, you, you, you're gonna kill me. She goes, I'm not gonna miss. She throws her leg up in the air and hits me square in the forehead, like taking a hammer and banging me on the fo on the middle of my head and knocked me out. And I had to go to the hospital with, with a fractured skull. So I'm in the hospital for about two weeks with a fractured skull. The day I get out, the, the surgeon, the neurosurgeon says, dude, you had a pretty bad head, head injury. For the next couple of months, don't do anything that would bump your head. If you have to wear a helmet, wear a helmet. He goes, that's how bad your head was cracked. He goes, so just slow down, do nothing. Just don't do any sports. Don't do any exercise. Just lay low. So I go, okay, I got it. I got it. So I go home and uh, I get, I walk into my room, uh, home for about 10 minutes since I left the hospital. And I see the speakers uh, are unplugged that are up on my ceiling. So like, fuck. And I get down on the floor to plug in the, the, the stereo and my elbow hits the speaker to the wire and the big wooden speaker on my ceiling falls down and hits me in the head while my head's on the floor and cracks it wide open. Oh. I was home for less than 15 minutes <laughs> and, and my head's cracked open after being in the hospital for two weeks with a fractured skull. And the last words were, don't do anything to hurt your head back to the hospital with a fractured skull. The doctor couldn't believe it. He didn't, he didn't even take a leak yet. And I'm back with a, my head cracked open. And you, you couldn't even make this up. So I'm in the hospital for almost a month. And when I got out, I, could, I couldn't speak very well. I, 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 my body it was like I was in a traumatic accident. And the doctor said, dude, because you're really, your head's fucked up. And we don't know how long it's gonna take to, for you to recover from this. There's no way of knowing. He said, so I want you to start doing a, a hobby, like painting. I want you to start painting and get your eyes to, to look at colors and, and get your hands working with your eye. So I said, all right, I, all right, I can do it. So I started listening to a lot of music. I started listening to Sinead O'Connor. I became obsessed with Sinead O'Connor and her bald head. I, I, I just turned on by her. I turned maybe, maybe, on. That was, maybe that was whole subliminal. You know, go, go for an Irish broad. Look what happens to you now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've always been, you know, I'm Irish. I've always kind of had leaned that way, but I, I loved her. So um, I started painting her on my wall, 
like a psycho. Like my whole wall in my bedroom was Sinead O'Connor's face. The whole wall. Yeah, and like, weird. I, it was weird. No, it got really weird where I, I dreamed about Sinead O'Connor. I, 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 every thought was Sinead O'Connor. I was cutting out pictures of Sinead O'Connor and putting them everywhere. Like it, it was, it was psycho. It, it was like one step away from digging a hole into my basement and throwing people in, in the hole, you know, it was very close to that. And uh, she was playing at the Garden State, it's now PNC, the old Garden State Art Center on, on the parkway. And I had to see, it. I couldn't believe it. She's gonna be at the Garden State Art Center. So seeing her wasn't enough for me because I'm a psycho. I had to meet her. I had to see her and talk to her. Like, how can I fucking see it? How can I meet her? So at the time we still had typewriters and fax machines. There was no internet yet. There wasn't even internet yet. So, so there was no email or nothing. So I typed, a, I made a fake company, right? Fake letterhead. And I typed, I'm a journalist and I want to do a cover story on Sinead O'Connor and sent it to her publicist via fax machine, the typewritten letter, thinking I'm never going to get a response. But then I get a fax back saying you're if this is a cover story, your request is approved. You'll meet Sinead O'Connor backstage at this time on this day for a 45 minute interview. I, and now I'm thinking, I gotta buy a gun. I gotta buy a knife. I'm gonna, I, I gotta kill her. Like that, I'm gonna talk to her and then I'm gonna kill her. I, <laughs> that, that will be the whole cycle. That will that'll be it. I, I can spray paint my wall black and get my gun and my knife and go down there and kill her. <laughs> I go, I can't believe how easy this is. <laughs> I'm going to murder Sinead O'Connor. So I go down there and I got a, I went to Radio Shack and got a radio. And because uh, I wanted a memory of this. I wanted a, I don't, I'm not a journalist. I've never interviewed anyone. And I don't even know how to do any of this. So I, there she is. And me, I'm sitting in a room with her for 45 minutes, asking her every question I ever wanted to ask her, asking about her life. But I didn't kill her. <laughs> I liked her so much that I, I said, thank you. She gave me a hug. I almost passed out. And, and I went home after I saw the show. I drove home. Now, that was the night that she refused to sing if uh, Frank Sinatra, I'm sorry, if they played the Star Spangled Banner. She said, I won't sing for the American National Anthem. And Frank Sinatra said, if I ever meet him, I'm going to kick her in the ass. And it was front page of all the papers around the world. Now, Everyone wanted the story. I had the only interview. I was the only journalist that met with her backstage and had a Q&A. So this magazine had just started like two or three weeks earlier called Stepping Out. It was like a 10-page flyer with the weather on it, right? And, and, and a question mark after Stepping Out, like a silly question mark. It was corny. It was a couple of pages. And uh, I remember calling the owner and saying, uh, look, I got an interview with Sinead. At first, I called the Aquarian. They told me to go fuck myself. I, I said, I got an interview. I go, do you want it? They said, get out of here. They didn't believe me. They told me to fuck off. So, so I called Stepping Out, and the owner said, look, I can't. We're just started. We have no money, but I'll put it on the cover, and I'll run your interview with your name underneath saying interview by your name. So I agreed, and I did it. And that week... Everyone said, how did this little shit magazine get this interview that the whole world wants? And, and, and the owner said to me, 
we're getting advertisers. Everyone's talking about the magazine and we're getting requests from all the bars. They want, because can you do this every week? We're weekly. I said, that was the easiest thing in the in my head. I said, that was so easy. You just ask to talk to someone and they say, yes. I said, yeah, I can do that. And for the next 22 years, I did it every week from that day. It is, that's fucking amazing. 22 years, every single week I interviewed somebody. I used to, I would get that magazine all the time. Whenever I had my band play, that would be like the big thing is when the, like the rec room in Wallington would put out their ad. Oh, uh, Jeff. Out. We'd put out their <laughs> ad and stepping out and my, my band's name would be there. I'd clip out every single one. We were, we, well, then in those days, bands were a big part of the North Jersey scene. It was huge. They were, they were huge. And, and there were a lot of places to play. Every bar had to have a stage because everyone wanted to see a live band. It was before the age of promoters and DJs. They yep. didn't exist yet. So the only entertainment was comedy or bands. And, and, and so everyone needed their schedule out. And there was no internet. There was no social media. So stepping out was like a gold mine. Yep. We were established. At that point, we had become established already. Right when the, the height of the band scene hit. So it, it was unbelievable. Every week, we, we, we got to the point where I think we were 120, 130 pages weekly, weekly. Yeah, it, it was nuts. Uh, we also, it was a huge success, tremendous. And then, and then when Howard Stern got involved with Stepping Out, it went off the charts. It, it, yeah. it, it went, it was like on steroids. I, I, got, it, I, I got into a fist fight with Sam Kennison down at Rascals. I got, we got into a brawl. And uh, the next day, it was in page six of the New York Post. So Howard Stern gets up and goes, Gary, uh, who's this? What's Stepping Out Magazine? Who's this? Is this a chick, Chauncey? Is that some dude? Who, who, who did Sam have a fight with? It sounds like a girl's name. Like, who the fuck is this? And, and he goes, guys, he's a guy and he's on the phone. You want to talk to him? He goes, yeah, yeah, put him on. And, and so I'm talking to Howard Stern for the first time about my fight with Sam Kennison. It's in all the newspapers at Rascals. And he's like, make it goes, what is stepping out? What the fuck? It's like a gay, is that a company, you know, a gay magazine stepping out of the closet. He goes, what do you do? And he goes, you do everything. Like do you, do, you do the interviews, you do the ads. He goes, do you have a broom up your ass? Do you sweep while you're, you know, doing your interviews? He's going on and on. He's like riffing on it for like an hour, making fun of me and the magazine. And, and I mean, Stern was so big then, so big. And an hour of Stern talking about stepping out, there, there was no stopping us then. It's like yeah. everyone wanted to know who stepping out was and who I was. And then Stern, he got such great feedback from it. And I guess I was a fun character to have on the show. He, he saw, he was good at that. He saw me as a character. You know, and, and so every day, every other day, he's talking about me, stepping out and stepping out. And then I, I realized the power of Stern. So in all my interviews, I'd always throw in a question. Oh, by the way, you know, Stern, Howard Stern was saying this about this one thing. He goes, do you agree? Do you follow the same philosophy or do you feel what do you feel about that? And I'd get, you know, anger, rage in those days. Celebrities, Hollywood hated him. So I, you know, you get these famous people, Ellen DeGeneres or or Bill Clinton, who was running for president at the time. No, Howard's, you know, he should be jailed for treason. He's a shitbag. He's this. And then Howard would read the whole thing on the air and talk about me and talk about the magazine. And that went on constantly. So 
at that point, it was like fame, like a reality show fame. It, 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 sure. Everything blew up. It was awesome. It was an awesome run for two decades. Man, that's great. Now you're enjoying your uh, retired life. Yeah. Now it's all behind me. <laughs> all that's over with. You know, I went from having a, a gossip column in the New York Daily News from, from being, you know, a talking head on all the news shows, uh, you know, Stern to, you know, just being, I've been, I've been on the cover of Hustler magazine. You know how hard it is to get on the cover of Hustler magazine. You know how I, hard it is to jerk off to the Hustler magazine with your face on the front of it. it, it was, they didn't. They, just my name. They didn't put my face, but they, they. Penthouse magazine and Hustler started paying me a fortune to do interviews for them, wow. hoping that Stern would talk about it. So I saw. I became the senior editor of Penthouse magazine, and over at Hustler, and, and it would say "interviewed by Chauncey Hayden" on the cover of these you know, uh, porn mags, which were very big. Penthouse in those days was as big as Playboy. Sure. And I even I even did a cover story for Playboy in France. I, I interviewed Jenny McCarthy for Playboy. So I, I was like all over the world and it was a dream. It was, it was a surreal dream. And, and now I, I, it's like gone, over, never happened. It's almost like I woke up and dreaming it. Like it never was real. It's, it, it, it couldn't be real. That life could have never have happened. It's too crazy to have happened. And uh, I, I, I live in this little town in the middle of nowhere. And I have a daughter who speaks Gaelic. And uh, I pick her from school every day. And uh, I try to stay dry. And, and that's the, and I golf. And that's the extent of my entire existence these days. There's but nothing you else. How fucking amazing that existence is, though. I, I, I wouldn't trade it in for all the tea in China. I, I love being a dad so much. I gave the, all that up that I had. And, and people say, dude, what, you know, do you regret it? This has to suck for you now. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. I thank God every day for what I have and for what he's given me. And uh, I, I, I remember Luke Garrick when he had uh, ALS. He said to the crowd, "I'm the I, you know, you can feel sorry for me, but I'm the luckiest man on the face of the earth." That's exactly how I feel. I, I I've lost my career. I, I I I wasn't there when my dad died. I wasn't there when my mother died. I've lost my family. I, but I'm the luckiest guy in the face of the on earth. I, I wouldn't trade anything. So happy. I'm so grateful. You have to really take a step back and look at that time frame too, because that was a time frame of excess when a lot of you know drugs were really in the in the forefront and everything like that. I should be dead. Yeah. There's so many people who are just even involved in the Stern show or in that kind of lifestyle that are not on this earth anymore, let alone have taken the time to redo themselves and re and completely do a 180 with their life and make it for the better. So dude, congratulations. I, I was on that path. I was on that yeah. path. In fact, in fact, I wrote a story uh, called Monaghan Redemption, where I actually, I'll, I'll, I'll email it to you. I'll send it to you. It's, it's about the person I was compared to who I am now. And, and I look at, I call it Monaghan Redemption. I feel like I was reinvented. I feel like I was reborn here that God gave me a second chance. That's what I feel like. God said to me, if you be a good father to this child, 
I'm going to grant you a second chance at life if you do this for this girl. And, and I feel that that's what's happened. I feel like I've been given a second chance. I, 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 like, um, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I really feel like I was on the verge of, of uh, leaping, you know, off a bridge and, and uh, I, I've been reborn. Not to get too corny or sentimental. No, dude, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in that shit, dude. I'm, 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 I'm one of those. I, I get a lot of flack being a comedian, like you know that you can be a real dickhead, whatever. I'm always that person who says, and I said this the other night. Every advice that I'm asked for, they always say, "What's the best advice to give as a comedian?" I'm only doing this 15 years, so I can give them a little bit of advice, and I say, "Be a good person." Yeah, it's the only thing you can do because it doesn't matter if you're a fucking ditch digger, if you're a comedian, if you're a baseball player, or if you're a doctor. The core of it is being a good fucking person, and it's never too late to change. And it's exactly, never too late. we're all going to make mistakes in this life, and it's how you bounce back from them. I see people. I mean, I'll just say I look at Artie Lang, and Artie was a was a genius. He was hysterical on the phone and on the mic and stuff. And I can't look. I can't look at his face. Because of, you know, just the, the devastation he's done from drug use and stuff like right. that. This is a guy who had the world in his hands and has given chance, you know, given the same chances over and over and over again and just not doing anything with it. You know, your story is very different, which I'm so well, glad. I'll, I'll say about Artie, you know, I, he said this once and I, I, and it, it's amazing. So someone asked him, what, you have the money to fix your nose. Why, why didn't you get plastic surgery and fix it he goes because two reasons every day i'm going to look in the mirror and see what i did to myself so i i realize what how i was and i want other people to see my face and to keep them from being who i became and that 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 gives me chills yeah i've heard that too that's it's it's hard to hear but you also understand it too i understand his it's his kind of way of giving back he went, yeah, exactly. I, you know, my way of giving back is being a good dad, you know, right. so it's between, it's very personal between me and my daughter, but that my daughter is Artie's nose in a sick way. You know? She looks a little, she's a little more attractive than Artie's nose, but, <laughs> but, but, but she's my Artie's nose. Like I, I, I look at her every day and it reminds me of where I was and the second chance I have at life because of her. And, and another thing people say to me, they go, you're such a good dude to do that for your little girl. I'm like, I'm not a good dude. I, 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 Chris Rocks does a bit where he goes, you know, the brothers say, you know, I'm a, I'm a good father. You know, I provide, I'm a good father. They go, you're what, supposed what, to, you're yeah. supposed to be a good father. You're supposed yeah. to provide. What do you, what do you want, a cookie? Yeah, yeah. I look at it, I go, I'm not. I'm not a good dad. I'm supposed to take pick my daughter from school and, and, and be a good dad to her. You know, so I I don't want to slap on the back. She saved my life. I didn't save her. She saved me. I I'd be dead now without her. It's like I look at her and she's like a, an angel that saved me. And I, every day I see her, I, I give her a hug and I squeeze her. That's that's you know. You know, I, I I live by this motto and that. Everything happens for a reason. I I do too. And I think about that. It's funny you say that because I look at my life and all my sins and all my indiscretions. And I think if one of those things didn't happen, would I be here today? It's almost like a almost like a road you take, a narrow road. And all it takes is one little bump 
to change the trajectory of, of that path you're on. So 100%. I did a lot of fucked up things and made a lot of mistakes. But without all those mistakes, would I be here talking to you now, telling my story? I don't think so. So I'm I don't regret one single thing that I've done in the past or 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 the mistakes that I made. I just don't because all of it led me to sitting in my bed right now in my underwear talking to you. <laughs> well, I didn't need to hear about the underwear part. But uh, listen, like I said before, sometimes you talk about music. Hey, in the email to Chauncey, I said, hey, what's your favorite band? He said The Clash. There, yeah. there's the music portion of Who's Your Band? Just so you guys know. I like The Clash. Exactly. That? All I need, that's all I fucking need. I don't care. That's all I need for the, <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. I want you to promise me one thing. And the next time you come back to the States, I will reach out to you. We have another mutual friend, Bruce Miller. Uh, Bruce, Bam Bam. Bam Bam lives right down the block from me. I've known him forever. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you one quick story about Bam Bam. Oh, everybody this has is, one. This is this is how I feel about Bam Bam. So he knew me from the Stern show and he knew me from going from Freddie. He knew me well, but he knew me from Freddie and he knew the story. He, Freddie told him my story when I decided to move to Ireland. So when I was in court here fighting for my daughter, and I had, you know, you look look me up on Google and that says it all. It's not like you would never want me to be a dad if you look me up on Google, right? Right. <laughs> he, he, he was a sheriff for Hudson County then. And he sent me on company on, on police letterhead, the most incredible endorsement to the court of the man that he claimed I was uh, as far as a char character goes. Um, he he just stepped up and said, "This if anyone deserves to be a dad, it's this guy." And this is my number. I, I, I'm uh, with the police department in Hudson County. You can call me for a reference. I stand by this guy, and I would bet my badge on this guy being a great dad. I'll never forget. It. I go. I almost cry talking about it. I I, I love him, and that was an amazing Dude. thing he did for me. Yeah, it, it just goes to show you, you can't judge people by their appearance because if you look at him, he's a uh, an albino freaking shaved gorilla. Scary-looking scary dude, yeah. Yeah, well, he looks like a scary piece, but he, he's a fucking big-ass mush. And he's a mush. He's, he's a, a mush, mush and another connection that we have. So when you yeah. um, when you come back to the States, I hopefully it's soon. I know mm -hmm. you were just here. Uh, we will get the gang together. We will go to Dingo's, and then I will take you to the dispensary, and I will get you... Uh, I will get you high on some legalized New Jersey marijuana. And no matter how much I beg, don't take me to the emergency room. You got to strap me down and say, <laughs> you're going to live. You're going to live. It'll be yep, like the fine. scene from Young Frankenstein. No matter how much <laughs> I scream, no matter how much I beg, don't open the door. That's great. Dude, this was a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. I'm so uh, happy. I'm glad we didn't focus too much on Howard. I'm glad we didn't focus too much on stepping out. I wanted your story. I wanted the second part of your story to to get. I hope it. I didn't bore you. I hope I didn't bo bore you. No, this is this is a hundred episode, one hundred and twelve, and I will tell you right now, this is probably my favorite episode we've done. Oh man, thanks a lot. Uh, not, nothing but honesty and love, and I'm off to Istanbul in a few hours, by the way. Wow. So, so if I end up in a in a Turkish prison. Getting Bam fucked Bam. in the ass. Call Bam Bam. I ain't helping I'll you. Ha I'll have a whole nother story for you for the next episode. That's awesome.
<laughs> guys thank you so much for checking out the uh, uh the podcast uh john give me your social media stuff so they could follow you on social media uh on facebook it's my name chauncey c-h-a-u-n-c-e hayden h-a-y-d-n and it's the same thing on uh twitter however my Instagram account was stolen by a hacker. So it says Chauncey Hayden, but it's some guy selling Bitcoins under my name and I can't get it back. So don't follow Chauncey Hayden on Twitter because he's a hacker and he'll try to steal your account. So unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for checking out the episode and we'll see you next week. All right. Later.